Hi there. Welcome to Vignettes, the Emerging Writers Festival podcast. My name is Ruby and I'm the Artistic Director at EWF. I am coming to you from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Today we have three readings on touch and tenderness, on the things we are made up of and the adornments we place upon ourselves. We asked our artists to ponder the theme of skin and we're so lucky to have Julia Rose back, Haja Al-Orsi and Janana Vucic joining us. First up, we have Julia Rose back. My name is Julia Rose back. I'm a queer Takatapui writer and organiser living with chronic pain and illness in Nam, so-called Melbourne. I wrote this piece after reflecting on the integration of pain and pleasure and how the symbiotic relationship ties into the disabled experience. As a child, I was bound by immunosuppressants not to pierce my skin. Even now, I could show you where I scraped my elbows, my knees, how any abrasion would scar. Laying back in the hospital chair, I would watch as the needle punctured my skin and slid neatly into my vein, enamoured. Whenever I was dehydrated, a red wine eggplant bruise would emerge within the hour. I filed this under vein, collapsed, and took it to school for show and tell. As soon as I was withdrawn from azathioprine, I chose to pierce my lip. I knew how to withstand a puncture wound. I was well versed in needles, and I was now adorned with a permanent fixture to indicate this. I grew fond of pain as decoration, collecting ornaments with which to adorn my skin. This culminated in a day at school where I walked around at lunchtime asking people to punch me in the upper arm. Unsurprisingly, most said no. Anytime somebody consented, I wore my bruise with pride. Where the body keeps the score, perhaps the skin acts as a scoreboard. I fell into this idea when I started collecting tattoos. When someone asks, what does this one mean? I could choose to tell a tale. I could scan my imagery Rolodex and pull out a time when mountain shapes and river lines were a central theme. I could assemble some gratuitous meaning, or I could simply say, this one represents a two hour window where I allowed my body to experience the richness the rawness of pain. This line here, this line was a choice. See here where it connects to the larger shape? I let this happen. If someone were to ask about the waratah across my sternum, I could speak to the curious and complex beauty of Australian wildflowers. But the honest to God truth is that my waratah tattoo is a reminder of the three hours I spent in the most excruciating pain I felt to date. Not the irritation of ulcers in my organs, not the dysmenorrhea, not my broken tailbone, but this extraordinary adornment below my chest. The depth in these petals represent the moment I began crying onto the leathered tattoo bed as the needle pricked and re-pricked this thin stretch of skin, a moment that replaced all the pain I never wanted, never asked for. Growing up as a pained person in a sickened pained body 
It takes time to disentangle your sensations. Taste is intertwined with nausea. Touch is a prickle. Who knew sounds could be so heavy and sights so tiring? As I began navigating this sensory labyrinth, pulling apart and laying bare each thread, so too did I understand that pain is dynamic. To most, there is an innate biological instinct to enhance pleasure and avoid pain. But people experiencing chronic pain can and do occupy the ever-evolving grey area between these seemingly opposite sensations. Thank you, Julia. Next up, we have Haja Alousi. Hi, everyone. My name is Haja, and I am a writer and actress based on Gadigal land. Today, I will be reading a piece of mine called At a Bar You Pretend Not to Be Lonely. Hope you enjoy. At a bar you pretend not to be lonely. You hold your drink, sit poised, but not too poised. Smile when looked at, but don't hold a gaze. You don't want to seem desperate. When someone sits next to you, you turn, squint your face in greeting, say hello, and return your concentration to your phone. He says something about the weather. You agree. It's awkward, but you let him drive the interaction. He comes closer introduces himself. Fabian. Zainab, you reply, shake hands. He tells you about his growing up in a small town, knowing everyone on his street. He was comfortable, small, confined. He lightly scrunches his nose when he talks about it, looks past you rather than at you, then chuckles, pulling himself out of his head. He catches your eyes again, questions you. You are hesitant, unsure how much to tell. Do you tell him you shouldn't even be here? That you are in a place of sin? That if your family ever found out, they would disown you again? In the end, you opt for the easy option. I'm boring, really, just working at the moment. He asks about your music taste. You don't want to say Um Kulthum, Abdul Halim and Kaldam Sahar. I like a bit of everything. He smiles, looks at you in a way you haven't been looked at before. The way your parents told you men look at women. That way you were supposed to protect yourself from. He reaches for your hand and asks to dance, but before you've replied, he's already pulled you up and into the crowd. Your body is stiff. You move your arms to the beat, but quiet in your hips. You don't want to be suggestive. You feel him eyeing your body. You become aware that you've avoided his eyes too long. Lift your head up and laugh. He comes closer. You can smell him. A musky scent with a hint of mint from the gum he is chewing. He senses your hesitance and moves back, but not as far as he was before. You feel bad and take a step closer. Catch his eyes more frequently. He lifts his arms. You flinch. He pauses and goes back to dancing. This is not a sin. He's not a trial sent by Allah. He's just a guy who was just as insecure as you. 
You watch him. Allow yourself to see his body move, the way the muscles in his biceps contort. Think about the way they'd look wrapped around your body, the warmth, the smoothness, how his hair settles just above his eyes no matter how much he moves his head, the curves of his lips as he mouths the words to the songs. His nipples are protruding through his fitted shirt and you wonder whether it's because he's cold or turned on. A tightness is clustering in your stomach. You take it for a stomach ache, but it's lower down. Breathe. This is natural. Don't think too much. You inch nearer to each other. You know what's coming, and he does it. Dips his tongue in slightly. He exchanges the piece of gum with you. You strain against your disgust. Let it sit in your mouth for a few moments, then push it back into his mouth gently masking your discomfort. You are unsure how to kiss him. Do your lips go around his or on or slightly in? Stop, just stop thinking. He presses his on yours. You respond. He probably knows more, you think, so you follow along. He arranges your body like Jenga, your arms on his shoulders, legs wrapped around his waist. The hardness of his groin smoothing itself between your legs. You've forgotten to breathe. Jump down and take a breath. Let's go somewhere private, he suggests. You smirk and entertain the thought. Think about your naked body beside his, the tenderness. But then you'd have to tell him you're a virgin. The tightness inside of you is releasing. It's 1am. You don't want to ruin the experience you've just had, so you apologize and try to leave. He's disappointed, asks for your number. Your mind jolts. You give him a fake one and escape before he tests it out. Thank you so much, Haja. And now, here's Janana Vucic. Hi there, and salam alaikum. My name is Janana Vucic and I'm a Bosnian-Australian writer, editor and PhD student. I moved to so-called Australia when I was five as a refugee from the Bosnian War and grew up on the unceded lands of the Wajuk Nyungar people in Muru, or Perth, and the unceded lands of the Turbul and Yagara people in Mianjin, or Brisbane. I moved to Nam, or Melbourne, in 2012 and lived and worked for six years on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people and the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to the First Nations peoples and elders past, present and emerging upon whose land I was able to make a new life. In 2018, I moved back to Bosnia to meet my biological father and get to know the family that I had been separated from since coming to Australia. That was an incredibly uh, formational experience for me and has deeply impacted my writing ever since. I'm speaking to you today from my bedroom in Schoenberg, Berlin. It's medium-sized, with high, smoke-stained ceilings. My walls are covered in donated posters, cheap art and photos from home. My furniture is donated too, an assortment of random items that the other housemates didn't need but which, coincidentally, seem to match. I have a bookshelf to my right, slowly starting to sag under the weight of the books I've so far accumulated. My desk is a plank of wood sitting on two supports. My bed is a mattress on the floor behind me. 
It's almost winter here and the light coming through the window is grey and damp. I'm currently in Berlin, having gotten somewhat stuck here between Glasgow, where I'm studying, and Bosnia. Germany is in its second lockdown now and I'm lucky to have found an apartment in which I can wait out the virus and to be able to work as a uni tutor via Zoom. Earlier this year, I received a Wheeler Centre Hot Desk Fellowship, and so I'm spending a lot of my spare time working on my project, an auto-theoretical exploration of memory, history, and myth-making, as well as identity, through the lens of the 1992-96 to 96 Bosnian War, and my experience as a refugee in so-called Australia. A lot of my work recently is an exploration of these themes, and from my vignette today, I'm reading a short piece about names, self-erasure, and identity. There's some Bosnian phrases in there, but I hope you'll get the gist. If you want to read more of my work, you can follow me on Twitter, where I tend to do most of my self-promotion. I'm at Janana Banana. Moya imena idrugi laji. My name and other lies. I shed names like old skin and leave a trail of dried out selves in my wake. It started as camouflage, but we could also call it hiding. For years, nobody, Chuck Nimoya Familia, called me by my name. Brisbane, Bilasam, Jen. Melbourne, people called me Anna. It was a neat split, my name folded into a recognizable shape. The unnecessary syllables and foreign letters turned in and against themselves and shushed. Nekovriema, experimenting with androgyny and anonymity. Bilasam, Erin and this seemed less a compromise than the others, more trace than awkward compulsion. There was no preceding stumble as my name leapt rashly from roll call, the D and uncaronized Zed thrown together in an ungainly heap that rendered the whole thing impossible. In denominative camo, there are some unmarked and unremarked, slipping through so-called Australia unruffled and belonging. Of course, Unmetaphorical skin has more to do with this than any neat pseudonymic slide. As does my uncovered hair, my unsaid prayers, the unvisited mosques I unclaimed. In denominative camo, I was playing dead. We might have escaped the genocide, but I would not escape myself. Moya Ima comes from the Persian for beloved, the Arabic for paradise, and hints at the Turkish for soul. Where I am from, it identifies me. Bosniak. I. Muslimanka. Na Bosnskom, my six letters signal an incontrovertible truth. Na Ingleskom, they expand to seven and shrink to convenience. Meaning is lost. Identity and history too. Truth is inconvenient. The truth is, blood has been spilt over this name, and so many other names marked like it. Isinaya, genocide does not end with the killing. It is endless with denial. Half of the history textbooks or Bosnu do not acknowledge a genocide. Serbian children are taught a different version of the past. They are taught it was only civil war, and it was their land anyway. Most history textbooks in Australia do not acknowledge this genocide. After all, my country is small and strategically unimportant. After all, Australia is bad at seeing things as they are. Australia, we are taught that genocide is merely settlement and 
but it is our land now anyway. I shed names like old skin, but maybe the truth is, I wore names like masks, because I always gave myself away at the seams. No costume is perfect, least of all those you make for yourself, and there are always places where the bodies show. It is a recent thing to have claimed the full breadth of myself, to have expanded out from Jen and Anna and untwisted from Aaron. I stopped offering the folded envelope of my identity a year ago and yet still, the Triamoya Ima said aloud, is a particular thrill, almost sensual, like new touch. The intimacy of it takes my breath away, its gentle syncopation, the shallow sigh of its vowels rolling out of mouths as though it were not a burden to carry marking a moment in this future present, where the past is real, and so are we. Thank you so much for your time, um, and thank you for listening. Uh, please stay safe, please stay well. You've just heard readings from Julia Rose Back, Haja Al-Ousi, and Janana Vucic. Thank you so much for listening to Vignettes, the EWF podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop us a review recommend us to your friends, and hit subscribe wherever you like to listen. And of course, stay with us for the final episode next week. This podcast was produced by EWF Program Coordinator Millie Bayless, our audio producer is John Chia, and our theme music was created by 2Care. You can find out more about the team behind this podcast and the artists featured in this episode on the EWF website. This podcast was created and edited on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge that First Nations peoples are the first storytellers of this land and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and to the Elders of the lands that this podcast reaches. It always was, always will be. Aboriginal land.